everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Daily to Dynasty, your one-stop shop for all things fantasy football. Whether your thing is is owning your friends in your in your fantasy football league or cashing tickets week in and week out with your daily fantasy football, this is going to be the show for you. If you've found this show already, thank you so much for doing so. Uh, please check us out on Twitter. It's our social media of choice. You can follow the show at daily to dynasty You can follow me, Craig Gorbanoff, at Seagorbs94. You can follow Rich at Coda522. And you can follow John at John Hazlett 475 And that's John with an H. If you guys want to be a part of this program, we are doing uh, listener voicemails. You can head on over to anchor.fm slash daily to dynasty and leave us a voice message that we will play on a future show. And we will answer your question live on this program. Uh, so going to be a lot of fun. We want to hear from you guys. We want to answer your questions and help you get better at fantasy football, right? That's what this show is for. So definitely check that out. Also, while you're there, if you want to, we have uh, the ability to take uh, fan support, right? Financial support. And in exchange, we'll, we'll come up with some kind of program for you guys where we'll offer you personalized fantasy football advice um, should you become a financial supporter of this program. Uh, we also have a great new partnership with the Underdog Newsletter. So if you love underdog stories, you'll love our friends at the Underdog Newsletter. Every week, they sift through hundreds of articles, videos, and podcast interviews. Then every Tuesday morning, they send out a bite-sized rundown of only the best stories you can find all in one place. So, so you guys can subscribe to the newsletter at jokermag.com newsletter and follow them on Twitter at jokermaghq. Again, jokermag.com slash newsletter and jokermaghq on Twitter. So guys, that's all of the nitty gritty upfront stuff for the show. We're going to have a fun program. We'll talk about the, just this week's NFL updates. Obviously, the biggest news of the week being Cam Newton signing with the New England Patriots. We have a lot of takes in regards to that. And then some general fantasy football advice, uh, specifically on the topic of defenses in fantasy football. I think they get overthought of a lot. And I think they can make a huge impact on your team. And we'll kind of talk about the nuances of that. And our top three breakout players for 2020. If you guys watched the show last week, you'll know that, you know, we offer a lot of value, especially in our sleepers. We had a top five each. It was 15 different players. This week, we're doing top three each. We have nine different players. So we're, we're offering a lot of value on this program. But guys, let's kind of kick things off and, and talk about the NFL updates. Um... Preseason games have been reduced to two games. The Hall of Fame game has been canceled. The enshrinement ceremony has been canceled. There's no supplemental draft. Um, it's a, I, I mean, it's just a crazy time to be in this world, right? With everything going on with COVID-19. Uh, we decided to put a poll out on Twitter, uh, a question out, and, and Rich uh, is really the main person handling our Twitter account. So, Rich, why don't why don't you read through some of these responses that we got to the question? Well, I mean, the answers were overwhelmingly that people want to keep it at two games from this point going forward. Uh, you know, we talk about it all the time amongst ourselves that four preseason games it just seems excessive, uh, and with the the Hall of Fame game, sometimes it's five. You know, it, by the fourth preseason game, it's just it dragging on. Um, and everyone wants football to start. I think they're doing it the right way. Um, there's also rumors that they might not have any preseason games or one preseason game. I think it's going to start to diminish as it's getting close to the preseason. I think if you have one game for vets, one game for rookies, that's really all you need. Uh, I know that fringe players and, you know, 
players that are trying to fight for roster spots. I think there's three or four spots that they say come down to that final preseason game, but I think that number might be, you know, bigger than, than what it actually is. So on Twitter, uh, we have at Jamie Kitch eight. He said, keep it at two games. These guys get blasted enough in training camps and inner squads. If anything, add a game or two to the regular season. The amount of abuse these guys take, they should save it for when it counts. Again, I agree 100% with that. And then we have at Lidlow 65 There's no question that it should be permanently two games. The way one game can be for the vets uh, to get warmed up and build chemistry, the other will be for the guys who are trying to make the team. Exactly, you know, what I said as far as, you know, one each is really all you need, I think. You know, there's too many... There's too many serious injuries that happen in the preseason and then the whole season is lost. You know, last year you can look at, you know, Avery Williamson from the Jets. I mean, he got injured in the preseason for no reason. And then all he could do is post pictures of himself on social media and his, his Jets uh, uniform on subways and doing other fun stuff. But I mean, he would have been an impact player, for example. So for me, uh, I think two games is perfect. I think it should be the new norm. Um, and, you know, the Hall of Fame game, sure, that can continue to happen. So if you want to count that as a third week, you can, but that's only two games. I mean, two teams. So that that's what I think. I think two is definitely enough. Yeah, I'm of that that mindset as well, Rich. Um, you know, unless you are a big old football geek who just loves to see who the third-string quarterback is going to be, um, you know, the preseason is kind of hit or miss uh, for football fans alike. Um John, uh, love to hear from you. What are your kind of thoughts about the preseason, just in general, um, in regards to players getting hurt and then this kind of outcome due to COVID-19 uh, of there only being two scheduled preseason games? Well, I think we were going in that direction anyway. I think eventually it was going to end up at two games. Uh, particularly, I am that guy that likes to see the third-string quarterback play uh, a half or a quarter or something like that. Um, but I, I think two is enough. I do. I I think the way it's gone, years ago, starters used to play all four games in the preseason, and that kind of, you know, morphed into something different that we know it today. So, to me, I think in this day and age of football, I think two is plenty. Yeah, I and I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. I think two is where it's at. I also like watching the backups and the backups, you know, fight for their their roster spot. But at the end of the day, I think too many people get injured, and it's it's just not necessarily worth it at the end of the day. Uh, We also have in our show rundown here and a little bit of an NFL update that um, Antonio Brown, right, has been seen working out. He's trying to get a deal with the Seattle Seahawks. And, you know, I I think the Seahawks have kind of become the Cowboys in a sense, right, where they're they're the second-chance team. Um, that you know, people. It, it seems to be a place to go in your career when when you you are in need of a second chance of your NFL career where nowhere else will take you. So, just to kind of open the discussion up about Antonio Brown, Rich, we'll start with you. Do you think he can play in the NFL again, and where do you think he ends up? I absolutely think he can. I just you know, obviously, his mental state is has to be number one. You know, he has to be accountable for everything that is going on in his life. And, you know, for the past year, he hasn't been that guy. Um, But I always say good teams can take chances. You know, you look at the New England Patriots, you look at a team like the Seattle Seahawks, you know, signing Josh Gordon last year, 
Um, it, I mean, it did not a ton, but I mean, he's a guy that you had to take that second chance. So like what you said with the Cowboys and the Seahawks, Antonio Brown would fit in perfectly with, with the Seahawks, you know, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf and Antonio Brown. It's hard to find a better trio in the NFL. Uh, the Seahawks are in win now mode. They have the team to do it. Um, you know, the Legion of, of Boom isn't there anymore, but I mean, what they brought in, their defense is, is very good right now. Russell Wilson's in the prime of his career. Um, for me, I, I would do it. And, you know, obviously it's a big risk, but if anyone could get through to Antonio Brown, I think it's going to be Russell Wilson. You know, he's the most level-headed guy that you can see. You know, he has very high morals and, you know, the team flocks to him. So I think if he puts Antonio Brown literally in his pocket, um, it could definitely work out, and the Seahawks would be one of the favorites for the NFC. And, John, what about you? Do, do you think Antonio Brown still has a place in this league, and where do you think he ends up if so? Uh, you know, same as Rich. I think if his mentals are straight, I think, uh, yeah, I, do I think that guy could play? Sure. Uh, I, I think when he, when he does suit up and he does play, he's a, a top two or three receiver. I think he's, he's shown that uh, time and time again. Um, the Seahawks seem to be the logical choice. Um, you know, he's working out Russell Wilson, as we said. Um, you know, I, I could see the Ravens. I could see that as a fit, too. Uh, I mean, we don't think of them as a team that's going to air it out. Although I got a feeling they're going to throw it a little bit more this year than they did last year. Um, and I could see him going there. Um, and another team, you know, in my head and on paper, I, I see him fitting in with the Niners. Mm-hmm. I just... They're, like Rich said, they're a good enough team where they could take a risk. I just don't know if John Lynch and Shanahan want to take a risk like that with a guy to come in and maybe uh, blow up what they've been working on for a few years there. But, again, I, I do think this guy can play in a league, and, and I think he probably will at some point. Yeah, I just think he's too talented to not end up back in the NFL. Um, you know, I, I think he he's an incredible player. He has to get his brain back in order, right? He's got to get his mind right. Um, I kind of see, you know, maybe a team like Green Bay as a as a intriguing possibility, right? Uh, they have Devonta Adams. They don't quite have like a quality top notch, you know, number two receiver. And in this case, I think Antonio Brown might would be the number one. But you know, I think he would respect a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. Um, they'd be able to do some really special things on that offense. Um, you know, and I, I think the Packers are, are poised to really try and make a, a run at this thing. You know, new system. Aaron Rodgers, I think, didn't have the best season last season. I think he's looking to get a little revenge, right? And and I think that could be an interesting angle. Um, I agree with all the other teams you guys mentioned, but, but Green Bay is another one on that list. Again, we'd love to hear from you guys. If you guys have an opinion on Antonio Brown and you want to be on our next episode of Daily to Dynasty, you can leave us a message at anchor.fm slash daily to dynasty. There's a button right at the top of the screen that says message, and you can leave us a voicemail, and we'll play that on our next show. So, guys, let's move on in topics here, and let's talk about the news of the week. Cam Newton signs a one-year contract with the New England Patriots. John, I'll start with you because, one, you're a giant Jets fan, but you were also the biggest Tom Brady hater that I know. So what are your opinions on his replacement being the former MVP, Cam Newton? I'm definitely a Tom Brady hater, although I respect his game, obviously. Um, But here's what I'm going to say, and I'm going to contradict what I just said. The Patriots just upgraded at quarterback, and I'm not just talking about over Jared Stidham. Brady was just not himself last year. Off season, whatever you want to call it. 
and I think and and I think he'll be better in a new location this year than he was last year. I think he just got tired there with him and uh, and Belichick and everything that was going on. Um, but but Cam's legit. I mean, Cam's a good former MVP. Guy's been to a Super Bowl. Um, add that to Bill Belichick and a basically a you know somewhat ready-made offense. Uh, I think that, I think the Patriots have a, a a good offensive line. They have a I think they have a formidable uh, backfield, and I think their receivers are improved. I, I could see Cam coming in there, and, you know, to me, I would have picked the Patriots to win the East with Stidham. I'm definitely going to pick them to win the, the East with, with Cam. I don't think there's any question. Yeah, and, and you know, the thing with, with, you know, Cam Newton, I never felt like he had a top-notch team around him in Carolina even that that year you know they they went to the Super Bowl he didn't really have this immense talent surrounding him they had Greg Olson Josh Norman on defense you know it was really good and and they had some good running backs but you know they never really had I think just like a strong offensive presence outside of Cam Newton and I think he's going to be in a situation now where there's a lot of talent around him. It might not be top-tier talent, but really quality players who know how to do their job on, on offense, right? Uh, we talked about Sonny Michelle last week as, as, a, as a breakout candidate, right? We talked about, uh, well, you know, we talked about Julian Edelman, and we'll mention him again a little later on. Uh, but there's some really, you know, top-tier talent, the best coaching in the league at the Patriots. I think this is a really really great signing. And I think with Belichick's coaching, he has a chance to be the MVP again this season. Rich, what are your thoughts about, about Cam to, to I think that it was silly me for thinking that the bills had a chance to be the winner of this division, even without Cam Newton. Uh, I agree with John. This is going to be a runaway again. Uh, I think the bills are a very good team. Let me put it that way. I think the way they built their roster and their coaching is great. Um, but Bill Belichick has a new fancy toy and I think he's going to, have a very fun time with Cam Newton. And I know they didn't name him the starter yet, but everyone knows that he's going to end up the starter. This team just gained so much more speed. Uh, there's going to be a lot more opportunities for Julian Edelman to open it up. You know, Julian Edelman and Cam Newton are going to be best friends. Uh, you know, Mohamed Sanu and Cam Newton are already working out. He's building chemistry. Um, but if there's one player that I think is going to have the most success based on Cam Newton coming, it's got to be James White. I think the option plays are going to be insane because uh, you don't, you don't, before you knew Tom Brady wasn't going to run the ball, you know, with Cam Newton back there, it, it's going to be fun. There's going to be a new, not, I mean, there's going to be a new offense, but I mean, it's going to be new, exciting plays. Tom Brady obviously is the greatest quarterback of all time um, in my book, at least. And, but Cam Newton is a former MVP. I think he's going to win comeback player of the year. He's going to battle for MVP this year. Patriots are going to win their traditional 10 to 11 games or how many games they allow based on what's going on. Um, and it, it's just going to be the Patriots team again. And it just made so much sense for the Patriots to do this. Cam Newton was out there so long and everyone was wondering why. Um, but, you know, the Patriots waited, they got a bargain and, you know, they're going to be the AFC champs again and again and again until someone challenges them with the bills being the closest. But now I think it's going to be a runaway. Yeah, and it is a little bit dependent on, on Ken Newton's health, right? That's been the question mark for over the last couple of seasons with him, but I just think he's he's too good to fail. And from you know a fantasy perspective, um, I think this is interesting. Now, 
I don't necessarily think Cam is going to be valued um, the way he was a few years ago, um, being you know like a like a th- maybe third or fourth round draft pick, maybe slightly later um, when he was in that MVP form. But in my opinion, I, I think he's a QB two. He's someone you could take pretty late and get a ton of value out of. I think they're safer QB one options, especially because he's not named the starter yet. But I think all of the receivers in New England just got a ton of value. And, you know, whether it's guys like um, or, or Edelman or, you know, anyone else, you mentioned Mohamed Sanu already working together. I just think that they're all of these guys now have the potential to get that kind of boom home run touchdown that we haven't necessarily seen from New England over the last couple of seasons. Their offense has been nickel and dime you all the way down the field and get into the end zone. I think it's going to look a lot more explosive. I think all of these receivers are going to have a ton of value. I think the deep ball is going to be such a weapon now in New England uh, and that it just really hasn't been over the last couple of seasons. So, John, let, let's kick it to you. From a, a fantasy perspective, what is your opinions on Cam and Patriots offensive players in general? Well, I, I I think you hit it on the head. I think he's a high quarterback too, uh, but he's he could definitely be a QB one. It's all going to be, be based on his health, obviously. Uh, and I think the first four to five weeks, especially with only a couple preseason games, uh, I think it might take him some time to gel a little bit. But I think once he does, uh, I, I think it's you know all the players you guys mentioned. And I'll throw one out there that you didn't. Marquise Lee, this guy's healthy. Mm. I think it's, uh, he's an absolute weapon for Cam. Um, I, I, I really think um, he, he's, got a, he's got a nice offense around him. Um, I, I like that, uh, uh, the rookie from last year, too, um, Nikhil Harry. I, I, think, uh, I think he could definitely step up and be a, a, a number one receiver, and sky's the limit, really. And, and Rich, will pass it to you. Fantasy Impact on the Patriots offense. Yeah, I agree. He is, I think he's going to be a solid QB two. Um, he probably will be the first group of the QB twos. I would actually probably put him right above Ryan Tannehill now in rankings. Um, but if you luck out and, you know, Cam Newton's the only one left, I mean, don't feel bad taking him as your quarterback one. He's going to get plenty of reps. He's he's going to light it up this year. So for sure, he's, he's QB two number one, uh, but he's also a QB one if, if you have to take him there. And, and John, do you have any closing thoughts about, about the new England Patriots offense here? Yeah. With cam again, I think looking at him down at the goal line makes a huge difference. I mean, that I think that's where he's going to separate himself from Brady. Like you said, Craig, he's a threat on the ground just as much as he is in the air, but I'll be curious to see how much on the ground they allow him to, to, to be is he going to be the old cam um, or is he going to be more of a, a pocket presence and that's what I think is really interesting about this situation and we can maybe sit on this for a minute of a topic here is you know we haven't necessarily seen a ton of of creativity from the Patriots offense over the last you know near 20 years in the Tom Brady era They've been really good, and they've played very effective football. They've done a trick play here or there, right? But they don't necessarily do anything crazy. They just play the game better than you do. And when you have a player like Cam, who's so athletic, you know, you can do 
a lot more things on offense than the average NFL team can do. And I wonder, I just wonder how that's going to be this coming season with Belichick's offense. Um, you know, with it, it, it's just a, a very interesting thing to, to figure out. I, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know if they're going to restrict him a little bit and want him to be more of a pure passer or if they're going to get super creative and and let the let the freak flag fly. Rich, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think you got to let it fly. I mean, if they're really going to, you know, pull off a stidum and give him a couple more years to learn, I mean, what do you have to lose? You know, your team is still in win-now mode. Bill Belichick is still alive and well. I think, you know, it's going to be fun for the Patriots. Obviously, you wanted Brady to go out with a bang. You wanted to stay a little bit vanilla because you know that he's going to bring rings to your team, but you know, now's the time to have fun with it. I mean, they have all the people around them who are young and hungry. And then Julian Edelman, who is the ultimate receiver for Cam Newton, I'm, I'm going to say he's going to have over a thousand yards this year, you know, let it, let it happen. You know, if it's an option play, you know, like I said, with James White or, you know, have Cam run around in, until it's, you know, until he tells you he can't. You know, he is a competitor. He's not going to just lay down and die. If you look at the videos now with him working out, he is working out harder than he has ever worked out before because he knows he's on a championship team. You know, I would have fun with it. I would let it, you know, let it fly. There's still the team to beat in the AFC East, and everyone knows that. So it's going to be fun as they accumulate wins. And now I'm going to mention something that I know for a fact will make both of you very angry, and it will probably make our listening audience very angry. But... I want to take you back in time to when Josh McDaniels was the head coach of the Denver Broncos and had a quarterback by the name of Timmy Tebow. And not saying Cam Newton and Tim Tebow are similar players, but Tim Tebow is probably the last athletic quarterback that Josh McDaniels has had the pleasure of coaching. And they were able to do some really creative things offensively. And that team made the playoffs. Um, in spite of Tim Tebow, right? The defense was killer and all that stuff. But they were able to do a lot of really creative things. And I think that there's a possibility for McDaniels to kind of show his brilliance once again uh, with, with having a quarterback like Cam Newton, where really the world is his oyster. So to that comparison, I'll throw it to John because I'm sure he's beat red right now at the thought of Tim Tebow being mentioned on a sports podcast in 2020. And what are your your overall thoughts on this? Yeah, not one of my favorite players, that's for sure. <laughs> but um, but I respect him as a man. I just I just thought as a football player, he should have moved to a different position and, and actually played. But anyway, I can see the comparison. I do. I, I, I'll tell you though, the the thing I, I think we're overlooking a little bit. Cam Newton's got a chip on his shoulder and he's got something to prove. And so does Bill Belichick. How many, how many conversations have we had over the years and it's been, well, you know, Belichick's number one without Brady. Well, Brady's number one without Belichick. How do they each have a chance to prove that? And I think Bill really wants to prove that for his legacy. And I think that's something that bothers him. I really do. So to me, you put, you know, I think that's probably the main reason he went out and, and grabbed Cam because I do think they like the quarterback that they have. I think they like Stidham, but you can't pass an opportunity to, to improve your team when Cam Newton's just sitting out there. You can't. So that's what I'm curious to see. Both of them chips on their shoulder with something to prove, and that could be a lethal combination. 
so really the last bit of advice that we have in regards to Cam Newton is, John, I'll hand it to you. If you were to make a New England Patriots stack now, who are the players that you would you would feature on your FanDuel lineup, uh, including Cam Newton? Well, definitely Cam Newton. Um, I'm going with Sony, and I'm going with uh, with Julian. I think those are the, those. I think that's the three right now. I could see Harry getting thrown in there, and in a sneakier play um, versus against the, the the right team, I could see Marquise Lee again as long as he's healthy. And Rich, I'll pass it over to you. Same question. From a daily perspective, what players from the Patriots do you think make the most sense to stack together? I mean, for me, it's it's Cam without a doubt. And then instead of Sony, I'm, I'm going to put James White in there. I think, you know, he's going to get tons of receptions, you know, like he normally does. Uh, I think with Cam Newton run all around in the backfield, Sony Michelle might actually see less carries but have more production because it's going to, you know, it's going to be more free running for him. And then Julian Edelman. Um, Julian Edelman, for me, he's always a favorite. I have him on my fantasy teams every single year. And I'll even throw a fourth in there. I think if you put the New England Patriots defense in there, too, you know, last year their defense was off the charts. Uh, there's no reason to believe they're not going to be off the charts again. So if you want to do a sneaky four stack, uh, I would add the Patriots defense to that as well. That's a great and point, Rich. Rich, I, I would kiss you if I if I could, if we were in different rooms. Because, man, what a great transition. Let's talk about defense. Let's talk about how defense win fantasy championships. Uh, this is easily the most overlooked position in fantasy football. They are almost always your last pick or your second to last pick. And yet, I can't tell you how many times I've either won a fantasy league, won a big game, or have gotten the the tar kicked out of me because I've been against the wrong defense or I've had the right defense. I think that this is something that fantasy players should start to consider, start to think about, and really have a strong idea of, you know, the first quarter of the season, what these defenses matchups look like and who has the best ability to get you points. Because you'll play in some leagues. Uh, Rich and I played in the league together a few years ago where the defensive scoring was insanity. Like, if you if you played against, if you had a decent defense, you were getting 25 points from your defense. And, and I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. So a good defense can go a long way in fantasy football. Depending on the league, it could go an extra long way. And in, in daily fantasy, we heard John's story last week. The Eagles defense won him the tournament that he was playing in. So it, it's a, an interesting thing to discuss. And, and I'm want to kind of kick it over to to you guys and we'll we'll start with John. How much thought do you actually give to to defense and what's your strategy around them in both your regular fantasy football and your daily fantasy? In regular fantasy it really depends on the league. Like you said, like Rich and I are in a league together that defenses score a lot. As a matter of fact, we have uh um one of the guys that has another uh, one of the other teams. He he absolutely hates that. He brings it up all the time. Um, I'm in a league where defenses are almost non-existent. They sh- we shouldn't even have them. Um, but usually if I'm drafting and it's a snake draft, I'm, I'm usually looking for the last couple spots, um, you know, last couple picks. I'm a guy in regular fantasy that I, I like to use my defenses as a matchup. So I may drop a defense six or seven times during the year just to, just to get that right matchup with, with, you know, on that right week. Um, in daily fantasy, um, 
I'm going to tell you, I pick my defense first. Um, it's usually the cheapest uh, of your positions. Um, I like to lock that in first, and then I look, I look to, to fill the rest of the way. Um, on daily, with daily fantasy, I go defense, tight end. I used to do kicker, but they don't allow kickers anymore, which I hate. I like the kickers. Um, and then I used to, then I would fill my roster from there. So I think they're important. I do. Um, again, I, you know, the, the tournament I won on FanDuel a few years ago for 40 grand, I had a defense that scored, I think it was 46 points. Um, without them, I, I, you know, not even close. So, um, that's how important I think defenses are in daily. Yeah, I'm with you a hundred percent. It's funny. You mentioned kickers. Um, my secret weapon for a lot of years was Matt Prater as my kicker from the Lions because it seemed like the Lions couldn't score a touchdown, but they were getting like seven field goals a game. Uh, I, I mean, Matt Prater was like fantasy gold because um, he was drilling it from 45, seven, like seven times. It, it was the best. Um, so I, that is disappointing that there's no longer kickers in, in FanDuel because you can find teams like that where you get a lot of points from your kicker. Um you know, uh, on the topic of defense, you know, you mentioned you'll drop a defense six times in a season. For me, I am of the opinion that I don't need a backup quarterback when I play fantasy football. I think there's a lot of depth there, right? You can pick up a QB2 for a week, you know, if you need it for your buy. I carry two defenses throughout the year. I will tend to draft someone who I feel will be the number one defense. And then, you know, I will kind of add and drop based on matchups throughout the season. Uh, it's a weird strategy. I don't see many other people do it, but it has worked for me in the past. And I, you know, I think you can outthink yourself a little bit in that matchup game, but it has been helpful for me. And I recommend it to people because you can get a ton of value from these defenses and it's usually overlooked. Rich, what are your thoughts about, this whole defense wins fantasy champions. I mean, sometimes they do. I mean, John, the, the league that John's talking about um, for the last two years. And the first year that I was in the league, the, the defense scored more than most of the players on my team. So, I mean, in leagues like that where defense, every stat is counted, obviously you're going to take the defense a little sooner. Um, also, there's a lot of leagues that add drops cost money. So you can't be dropping defenses six or seven times. So you try to, you know, take them, if not second to last pick, you want to take them third to last pick because you're going to have to be stuck with them for a little bit of time. Um, also, the whole thing, like you said, with the backup quarterback, I'm not afraid to take a defense before a backup quarterback if the backup quarterback is my second to last pick. You know, if there's, you know, a top five defense on there or if there's a QB two that I don't know if is ever going to see the field, I'm going to take the defense. Um, and in daily fantasy, I'm the same way as John. I mean, the defense is very important for the week. Let's say the Patriots are playing the Dolphins. You know, obviously, you know, that's going to be a one-sided affair, especially last year. Your defense is going to score a lot of points and you base, you know, your team's going to be based off of that. So defense is very important. Um, I like being in leagues where it doesn't cost money to add drop because it's, it's fun to look at the matchups every week and try to snipe, um, defensives off the waiver wire and then even do it two weeks ahead of time to block your opponents. So it's all about strategy, like fantasy across the board. Um, but if you have a big, a good defense, you keep that defense, um, and you let it ride. Yeah. And, and follow it while it's hot. I mean, there'll be. You, that's the tricky part, right? But there, there'll be weeks in a row, right, where you'll see the same defense. It's scoring pick sixes, and then eventually it cools down a little bit, 
and that's that's where it comes down to the strategy, right? You have to kind of figure that out and and do your own homework and, and try to see what is it about the matchups that has allowed this defense to get so hot. Um, and you know, it's not just pick sixes, right? It's sacks or points in fantasy leagues. Uh, you know, strip sacks, fumbles, all that kind of stuff, and it all adds up. So it's definitely something uh, to consider um, when you're playing and and, and how you're kind of developing your strategy. Um, so what, what I look for in my fantasy defense is really so a, a, a team that can get after the quarterback, someone with a proven pass rusher. These are the teams that are going to accumulate sacks, get pressures, and, right, and probably get interceptions. So at the time, uh, the Texans were a great fantasy defense because of how J.J. Watt were just com- dominating the line of scrimmage and getting to the quarterback. Um, you know, the Rams two seasons ago, Aaron Donald was all over quarterbacks every single play. They were getting interceptions. These are the types of teams that I look for. Is that pretty much the same for you guys? Yeah, I mean, last year I saw the Patriots defense in trade proposals and they were getting high-level players because the defense was scoring a touchdown almost every single game, or it felt like that. So, you know, obviously you want a pass rusher, you want the sacks, you want that easy one point. You know, the pick sixes, that's that's the golden goose when that happens. But, you know, it, it's fun to watch the games where it's not your team because you're rooting for your defense, which – you know, if you need that one or two points, that could happen in a matter of three plays. So it makes fantasy very exciting and, and daily fantasy very exciting to have a defense um, that kills it, essentially. And John, what about you? What do you look for in your in your fantasy defense? Value, same as I do any, anything other, any other position. But I like defense who's playing a turnover-happy team and one with the ability to score on not, not only on defense, but on special teams. Um, you, you, you mentioned the Texans. I, I think uh, and I, I play them a lot. As a matter of fact, I had them as my, my defense most of the time, um, almost in every league because of J.J. Watt, because, you know, you're going to get 16 to 17 sacks out of him for the year. Um, but, again, I'm looking for the team that with the backup quarterback, I'm looking for that, you know, any team, any time the Bengals are playing in recent years, I mean, I'm, I, I want to play. I want to have the defenses playing against them, or last year the Dolphins. I like to pick and hunt and and try to find the right spot. And like Rich said, you know, if you're playing your your regular fantasy, I try to pick that a week or two in advance if I can. Um, so that's that's what I like to do with my defense. And just one more thing that I think we forgot to mention in a lot of leagues you know, special team return scores count for the defense. So if you have, let's say, the Kansas City Chiefs defense and Tyreek Hill takes it back for 100 yards, you know, that makes the defensive wrinkles that more, you know, they're exciting. So, I mean, it's based on your league, but sometimes I look for that. If there's a really good return man, you know, I will I will target a team that will score touchdowns on the return game as well. And I, I think this is all great food for thought, right, as we kind of inch closer and closer to the fantasy kickoff, right? I'm sure some drafts have happened already. Typically, they don't happen until a little later on in the summer. We'll probably do a live mock draft in the uh, in the next couple of uh, a weeks here. Maybe maybe in two weeks or so, we can do a live mock draft and kind of talk through some of the strategy as we're going along. Um, if you guys would like to see that, be sure to reach out to us on Twitter. 
um, either at Daily Dynasty, at Seagorps94, at Coda522, or at John Hazlett 475 Or, of course, you can leave us uh, one of those voicemails through Anchor FM, anchor.fm slash daily to dynasty. Um, so, guys, that's going to bring us to our last topic this evening. Uh, and that's going to be our three breakout players for 2020. Uh, we gave some sleepers last week. I think, you know, and when I was putting together our doc, this was was an interesting kind of concept to me because in my mind, there is a difference between sleepers and breakout players, right? A sleeper is somebody you can take very late and get some value for that's maybe, you know, two rounds above where you drafted them or three rounds above where you drafted them. You know, that kind of value. A breakout player to me is somebody that, wasn't, you know, that was a sleeper last year who is going to be a potential blue chip player this year that, you know, this is probably your last chance to get them on the cheap in my mind, right? That That's what breakout player to me means. That's what Lamar Jackson was heading into last season, right? That's what Patrick Mahomes was heading in, you know, two seasons ago. So it, it there's a bit of a difference here. And there, some people say it's it's very similar, but I think these are some different guys named. And we'll take these all one player at a time. We'll name all three of our guys uh, and and just kind of go around the horn. John, we'll kick it off with you. Who is your first breakout player for 2020? First guy I'm going to give you is probably the weakest position in all of fantasy football, and it's tight end. I like Mike Gusecki. Um, I, I think he started to show some signs last year. And I think this year with what's probably going to be a rookie quarterback eventually, um, I, I think you're going to see him take a large step. Even if Fitzpatrick is the starter there for a little while, um, him and Fitz had a really nice rapport going towards the end of last year. And I think that's going to continue. The guy's got the size, he's got the speed, and I think he's an absolute force in the red zone. Um, and at a position in fantasy where we're starving for players, I think Mike Gusecki going to be drafted this year a lot. And, you know, uh, we've seen some progression in his career so far, right? He he had five touchdowns last year. He's a New Jersey guy, so all of us New Jersey guys got to like that. Um, I I think there's a lot of value there, and and I I agree. He's poised to step up and and have a big impact. Rich, who is your first breakout candidate? My first breakout candidate is Teddy Two Gloves Bridgewater. Um, I think he is going to, you know, kill it this year with the Panthers. He has all the weapons that he could need. You know, they're not all, you know, number one receivers. I think DJ Moore is going to do a lot of things for him. You know, Robbie Anderson is there as a long threat. And then, of course, Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is probably the biggest reason why he's going to have crazy fantasy points because he's going to drop the ball off and Christian McCaffrey is going to do the rest. Um, I think this is his, I'm not going to say last chance, but I think it might be his last chance. You know, coming back from a major injury, He showed what he could do with the Saints last year. He wants to keep this job at all costs, and I think he will. Um, I think that he is going to be a really fun player for Matt Rule. Um, And, you know, again, with the drop-offs alone to Christian McCaffrey, he's definitely that someone you might want to add as your QB2 or as a flyer in uh, Daily Fantasy. And, and Rich, you know, I'm a big Teddy Bridgewater fan. I, I think he's done a great job of kind of working himself back to where he was as the starter in Minnesota. I think he has the potential to get there again in Carolina. And he was actually almost my breakout quarterback as well. 
But I ended up going with Kyler Murray uh, of the Arizona Cardinals. He had a very impressive rookie year. I don't think anybody saw it coming from him. I was so impressed by his poise, his leadership, um, you know, his athleticism. I, he was a much better thrower of the football than I thought he would be. And I just think the Cardinals got a lot better this offseason. They brought in DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I, you know, I like their draft. I mentioned Andy Isabella last week um, as, a, as a potential sleeper. I, I think this team is actually heading in the right direction. Um, you know, I, I think Coach Kingsbury, right, is, is, is putting together a, a good program, surprisingly. Um, a lot of things went right for the Cardinals last year when no one thought that they would. And I think he has the potential to break out and not quite be a Lamar Jackson this season, but I think, you know, have that kind of potential of, of having a, a decent rookie showing and then just breaking out the next season. Uh, I, I think he could be a quarterback that we talk about weekly. Um, coming up this season. So, John, we'll kick it back over to you. Your number two breakout player of the year. My number two guy is going to be Paris Campbell from the from the Colts. Um, I, I think, given with with Philip Rivers in that offense, I think it's going to get a little bit more vertical than it was last year. Um, I, I like his speed. I like his size. I like his ability, um, and and I think he's going to put up some points for you. Definitely, um, Paris Campbell's a guy I'm going to look to add mid to late in my regular drafts, my auction drafts. I'm going to spend a little bit of money on him. And I think he's a great candidate for a stack in a, in daily fantasy as well. And I think the Colts have been desperate for, you know, uh, a quality wide receiver for a few seasons now. So um, they have T Y Hilton. Um, If anyone was a former listener of code green, you know, I am not a T Y Hilton fan. Um, that is just a personal vendetta as I was burnt in a fantasy league after drafting him. Um, but all that being said, I, I, you know, I think the Colts are desperate for a quality wide receiver and I think they're hoping Paris Campbell can be the guy rich over to you. Number two breakout player of the season. Well, you mentioned the Cardinals and how much better they are this year, but I also want to say that David Johnson is going to be much better this year uh, in his new home. You know, a couple of years ago, he was arguably the number one pick or at least the number three pick in fantasy football drafts. Last year, he was the forgotten man with Kenyon Drake there and, you know, new coach, new team. Um, I think this year he's going to be back to the player that he once was. Uh, I hope that he avoids the injury bug, and I think he will. I think he is going to be explosive, and he is dropping in fantasy drafts, which to me, I'm going to scoop him as soon as humanly possible. Um, he's going, I think he's going to have over a thousand yards this year. I mean, that's a bold prediction for me, but that is my prediction. I think David Johnson is going to be back. He's going to, you know, be active, um, in the receiving game as well, but on the ground, I think he's going to have over a thousand yards. I'm a big David Johnson guy. You know, I, I drafted him a few seasons ago as my number one overall pick. I think it might've been the season he got injured, but I'm a big fan of his game. You know, he can do a little bit of everything and, I love him in Houston. I love him with, with Deshaun Watson. I, you know, I think, you know, I, I think with that style of quarterback, they have the potential, like we were talking about before with Cam Newton and James White, the athleticism of Deshaun Watson makes what Desha- David Johnson does even more dangerous um, and, and even, you know, even scarier to, to opposing defenses. So I love that he has broken out before, 
but I think he has the potential to break out once again. So I'll allow it as a breakout player for this season. Uh, my second breakout player is going to be John Ross of the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I, you know, I was very quick to label this a, a bust when they, they drafted him. And I, I, you know, he is still subject to injuries. He's still a smaller wide receiver, but he's blazing fast. Um, you know, he got in the end zone a lot his rookie year. Last year, he got more yards, but it, it's been a mess in, in Cincinnati. And, you know, I think there are some very, very high hopes for the number one overall pick, Joe Burrow. I think this guy, this could be his go-to guy, John Ross, right? And, and they could develop a, a rapport to young players and, and do some creative things in their offense. Um, I think John Ross's skill set, you know, is something that can be helpful for a young quarterback. They can do some creative things. And I think he has the potential to really break out, come into his own in his third season. John, back to you, your third breakout player of the year. It's my homer pick, Sam Darnold. Um, I, I think the second year with, with Adam Gase, who may not be everybody's favorite head coach, um, nor is he mine. Um, I, I just think Sam's got some, some quietly, he's got some weapons around him. Um, I, I love his, I love his, uh, the tight ends he's going to have. I love his wide receivers. I think they're on the come, so to speak. And I think, um, Le'Veon will be a, a little, a little bit, uh, a little bit better for him this year out of the, the backfield. Um, so I, I think Sam's got the ability to put up some points, and I, I think the I think the Jets have ability to put up points on offense. I, that might be the first time I've ever said that. Definitely is. Definitely is. <laughs> the face I'm making right now, guys. I, I, you guys can't see me, but they're like, Ooh, this I'm is sure it's cool. the same face I have. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I like it. I'm rooting for it. You know, I I think. I think the Jets have a lot of potential. Um, they have a lot of potential every year. But, uh, you know, Sam Darnold is going to be the, the key, right, to that that team. And when he was not suffering from mono last year, he didn't, you know, like he wasn't bad. He was making the, the right steps and, and you know, try, looking like the quarterback we thought he would would be. Um, last year, year was disappointing. I, I think you have to hope that he will take – a positive step forward and be the quarterback that we expected him to be. Um, so I like it. I think this could be the season he breaks out as well. Rich, who is your final breakout candidate? So my final breakout candidate, I guess you can also consider a sleeper um, kind of in the same category as far as this one goes. So I know you talked before that, you know, Antonio Brown would make a lot of sense to the Packers because they don't really have a clear cut number two receiver um, but for me, I think that's going to be Alan Lazard. Um, last year, he showed that he could support Aaron Rodgers when really no one else was available to do so. Uh, everyone thought that uh, Valdez Scantlin would be that guy. And, and Alan Lazard really stepped up more so than, than anyone else on that team. You know, when, when Jimmy Graham became non-existent and it was, you know, Aaron Jones versus the world, uh, I, I do believe that Alan Lazard definitely held his own. Um, so for me, I think it's just going to be a matter of opportunity. I think he's going to have a lot of opportunity this year to show that he can be that number two guy, uh, you know, with Funches there, it's going to cut maybe a little bit into his production, but I think it's going to, at the end of the day, he's going to be the number two wide receiver and the number two wide receiver in green Bay is definitely good for fantasy football points. 
Absolutely. I, I think, you know, that's that's going to be a name to watch out for. If you have Aaron Rodgers throwing you the football, you're bound to get into the end zone, right? Like, <laughs> this, any player on the, the Packers is somebody worth paying attention to for fantasy football when you have Aaron Rodgers throwing you the football. My last breakout player for the season is one who had a very productive season last year. So he might already be pretty high on some people's boards, but... I really like Terry McLaurin uh, from Washington. It's a real potential to break out. Last season, just under 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns. But I think because of the team he's on, he probably doesn't get the attention uh, you'd expect um, for some, you know, a, a rookie with those kinds of numbers. Um, you know, he, He's six feet tall. He's 210 pounds. He's the number one option for a young quarterback in Dwayne Haskins on a team that isn't you know, particularly talented, but they have a couple of pieces where they can do some interesting things offensively. They're able to run the football, and this is going to be the guy who's going to get the targets. Uh, You know, sometimes defenses will figure a player out year one to year two, but I like him to take a step forward. I think he gets over a 1,000 yards. He might even get, you know, another touchdown or two. You might see that slip down to five or so, but I think he's going to kind of prove himself to be uh, one of the better wide receivers in this league and a really good fantasy option. I think he's going to get a ton of targets. I think he's going to have some value in, in PPR leagues. Um, he was getting, you know, close to 10 targets a game last year. Um, I think he'll, he will get more and more targets and, and have a lot of value, especially in PPR um, on a team that, you know, doesn't have a lot of extra talent. So when there's a guy who shows some uh, it's, it's something to pay attention to as, as your wide receiver, you know, three option or even a flex option in, in your fantasy leagues. Or if, you know, you, you have a little bit of extra, you know, a couple of dollars left in your in your FanDuel account and, and you're not sure who to spend it on, you have a, a wide receiver slot. Depending on the matchup, Terry McLaurin might be your guy. Uh, do you guys have any closing thoughts about these breakout players? I mean, I really hope that Alex Smith can come back. Um you know, obviously his his injury was gruesome, but I would love Alex Smith to be the one throwing to Terry McLaurin. I know it's probably not going to happen, but, you know, Alex Smith, he's definitely someone that I'm rooting for. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, hard not to root for that guy, right? Um, I, but, I, but I like to pick. I like, I like McLaurin, too, I think, uh, in that offense, which really I think they're going to play like they have nothing to lose a little bit this year um, because really they don't. Um, I think that's a really nice pick. Well, thanks, fellas. I like when, when you guys like my picks. It makes me feel a little bit better about my football knowledge uh, when we're all in agreement. And speaking of Alex Smith, I haven't gotten the chance to watch it yet, but they did the E60 on his, his comeback story a few months ago, and I've been meaning to watch it. It's sitting on my DVR. Um, so, you know, just just throwing that out there. If you, I, I should watch it. Have, did you guys get the chance to watch yeah, it? Yeah, it was great. Uh, it was really. It shows his entire journey, you know, with his wife by his side the entire time. It shows how bad the injury actually was. It was to the bone. It, it was. It, he could have died. And uh, you know, his rehab has been top notch. And he, you know, I think he's going to play again. You know, it's going to be like a Teddy Bridgewater situation again. I think he's going to have to prove himself. But uh, I think he plays again. And he's such a resilient player, former number over number one overall pick, right? Uh, he was labeled a bust. He made the comeback like late in his career. Uh, he gets replaced by Colin Kaepernick. He goes to, 
to Kansas City, takes them to the playoffs year after year, gets replaced by Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this guy's just so resilient. You want it to work out for him so bad. Um, you know, I think he's one of the better guys in the NFL. Um, maybe not the best talent in the world, but a, a great person and I think deserves a shot to kind of close out his career the right way. Uh, John, any any nice words for Alex Smith and his recovery? Yeah, again, I haven't seen the video. I haven't seen the um, the footage either. I'm waiting. That's on my DVR as well. So, actually, maybe I'll go watch it. Maybe I'll go watch it tonight. Uh, I was going to say, it might be time to crack open a beer and, and check out an E60 tonight. Might, might be bourbon for me, but, yeah, that might be great. Yeah. But, um, yeah, listen, Alex Smith's, you know, he's a top-notch guy. He's uh, one of those character guys. I What stands out to me, two things. One, he was drafted over Aaron Rodgers, which I think is – you know, going back, I think that's pretty cool. Um, number two is when he was in Kansas City and they did take Mahomes and they had success with Alex Smith. And Alex Smith says, hey, you know, there's a kid behind here. that He's the future. Like he he was very cool about that. And in a world where and, and I say it to Rich all the time, players don't care about being, uh, you know, the the stepping stone for the other guy. They don't they don't care about helping out the other player in this specific case. Alex Smith is is the opposite. He uh, he clearly did help. And if you uh, you ask Patrick Mahomes, he'll be the first one to tell you that he did. So Alex Smith's a class act. Anytime you get a guy like that on your team and on the field, I'm going to root for him. So here's hoping for a nice speedy recovery for Alex Smith. So guys, that's the show today. That's all the analysis. We had a lot of fun talking tonight about whether it's the NFL updates, Cam Newton in New England, um, defenses in fantasy football or our breakout candidates. We had a ton of fun doing it and we'd love to hear from you either on social media. You can reach out to us on Twitter at daily to dynasty at C 94 at Coda five two two or at John Hazlett four seven five via social media, right on Twitter. Or again, you can leave us a voicemail. We will play those in a future show anchor.fm slash daily to dynasty. You can access that on your phone or on your computer and leave us a voicemail. We'll put that into our next program. If you're listening to this thing on podcasts through Anchor FM or one of our other uh, service providers, whether that's Spotify, Pocket Cast, or Radio Public, should be on iTunes pretty shortly. Uh, thank you for doing so. Please leave us a five-star rating and a nice review. It helps the show out immensely, and we will shout you out on a future podcast or show. If you're watching this thing on YouTube, Again, we want to thank you for doing so. Please like and subscribe to the channel. Um, we will be putting out some kind of short-form content during the week as well uh, on YouTube that will be uh, of value, you know, especially in the middle of the season when you guys are on the waiver wire. Um, we'll be kind of putting that out in the middle of the week as a short snackable video for you guys. Um, so definitely you want to subscribe to this channel so that you can get those updates all season long. And we want to give a special shout-out uh, to our brand new partners, the Underdog Newsletter. We just spent that whole time, right, talking about Alex Smith and Underdog Stories. If you're a fan of Underdog Stories, you have to subscribe to the Underdog Newsletter. Every week, they sift through hundreds of articles, videos, and podcast interviews. And then on Tuesday morning, they send out a nice bite-sized rundown of only the best stories you can find all in one place. You can subscribe to the newsletter at jokermag.com slash newsletter, and we'll put that URL somewhere down here below uh, and in the description so that you can just click it. But that's jokermag.com slash newsletter, and follow them on Twitter at jokermag 
HQ. All right, guys, that's all the time we have for this show. Thank you again so much for watching or listening. For Rich and John, I want to say thank you so much again. That's it for this week. We'll talk to you next time.